0: Good morning. Pastor Dustin is away this week. He is already up in Watertown, getting all things ready for District Assembly. I don't know if you know, but that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And so he and Pastor Olivia are already there. Pastor Emily is already making her way there as she is being ordained this evening. Um, And I'll remind you about that again in a little bit and how to watch that if you cannot be there in Watertown tonight. But this morning we're going to take a look at a familiar passage. Pastor Dustin has um, been with us over in First Peter, and I'm going to hop out of First Peter this morning and let let him continue that for that next week. But we're going to be in a familiar passage, probably for most of you. Um, it is for me. I know that, and and it is for someone I talked to this week earlier this week as I was planning and. And there are just so many ways you could go with this passage, so many things that you could pull out of it. You could spend weeks here if you wanted to. And I needed to call my father-in-law, Kevin. Many of you know that he is a retired Nazarene pastor and district superintendent. He's been doing this for a really long time. And so as I was chatting with him about a range of other things, I mentioned that I was preaching this coming Sunday, and he was like, oh, what are you preaching on, what are you preaching on? And I was like, normally I just say Jesus because... That's like the easy answer. I can just say Jesus and, and then we're good. Um, and I am preaching on Jesus this morning. But I told him, I said, I'm preaching on the Emmaus Road passage. And I knew, I knew as soon as I said that what was going to happen because that's one of his favorite passages. It's one of his favorite passages to preach. And I will tell you, I could immediately hear the wonder in his voice as he recalled for me all of the different times that he has preached out of this specific passage every year almost simply because it is one of his favorites. And it's not just his favorite for any old reason. It's a great passage of scripture, um, but it is his favorite because of this. He said, I've written many, many sermons, and yet every one of them is different. Many, many sermons on this particular passage, but they're all different. And then he told me why that is. It wasn't for the sake of being different, Most of you aren't going to remember a year from now when this passage comes around in the lectionary again what I have said today. I could probably preach the same sermon and it would feel new to you. It wasn't simply because he needed something different. It was because God showed him something different in that passage each and every time he went to it. Every time he dug into that passage, he discovered a new facet of the resurrected jesus every time his eyes were opened to something he had not previously seen before and so as we read and as we talk today i want you to keep that idea in mind this idea that our eyes can be opened continually as we seek so we're going to read this passage it's only found in luke the Emmaus road passage it is in luke 24 Right there at the end of Luke, we're going to start in verse 13. And it says this Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still their faces downcast one of them named Cleopas asked him are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days what things he asked well about Jesus of Nazareth they replied he was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him but we had hoped And he said to them, how foolish you are and slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. That's a little like Jesus saying, oh, bless your hearts. Okay. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes this morning, that you would reveal yourself to us in your word. Amen. So we're going to set the stage for this passage just a little bit, right? It's Resurrection Sunday still, not for us, but for them. It's Resurrection Sunday. The women have been to the tomb. They have returned to all of the disciples and the apostles in the area who've been following Jesus, and they tell him, Jesus is alive. And so others go to the tomb and they see the same thing, but they don't see Jesus. They don't get the message that Jesus is alive. They just see an empty tomb. And so there's confusion. They don't know what to think. And so not knowing what to think and still trying to sort all of this out, the accusations, the trial, the crucifixion, the death, the disappearance now of Jesus, these two apostles begin their journey home. A seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to a small town called Emmaus. And as they're walking, they talk and they discuss and they argue. And they go back to talking, and and they're they're just kind of going back and forth. And suddenly, a stranger joins them on their journey. And this stranger is seemingly oblivious to everything that has happened over the past couple of days. I don't know if you've seen the news recently about the woman who spent like 500 days in a cave underground. Has anybody seen that? Like. She literally has been in a cave underground for 500 days. She has no idea anything that has happened in the last 500 days. It was a a science experiment of some sort, I don't know, but like she came out of this cave to learn that like there's a war happening here and this has happened there. And I mean, imagine all the things that have happened that she has to catch up on. That's how this couple kind of feels about this stranger in their midst. They're incredulous. How could this man not know what rock has he been living under? However, they oblige him anyway. And so they tell the stranger all the things that have happened. They tell him about Jesus. They tell him how powerful he was. They tell him about how he was betrayed and how he was handed over to death. They tell him about all of their confusion surrounding this. They thought this was all going to be cleared up Jesus was going to redeem Israel set them free from foreign powers then everybody was going to know exactly who Jesus was but that is not what happens it appears that they believe that all the naysayers were right that Jesus was just this man and now he is dead and the Apostles are left simply saying we had hoped that he was the one we had hoped there is a lament present there a disappointment an obvious sort of like they got kind of punched in the gut reaction they weren't expecting it despite the fact that they had followed this man they had obeyed this man they had listened to this man they had given they had worked they had done all the right things they trusted and hoped in him But now they were left simply with, we had hoped. Yet in the midst of their disappointment, in the midst of their confusion, Jesus, who has been present all along, steps in and he says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was in the scriptures concerning himself. Now, I was looking at the book of Luke as I was preparing for this, and I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but there's lots of references to the Old Testament in the New Testament, right? In the book of Luke alone, there are over 500 references to the Old Testament just in his book. So Jesus had a lot of material to choose from when he was going to go from Moses and all the prophets all the way through. And we don't know which passages he chose, seven miles is a fairly good distance to walk Perhaps he pointed to Deuteronomy, where it says the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. Maybe then he went to Isaiah, where it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. He could have continued in Isaiah. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like the one people turned away from. He was despised. We did not value him. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Maybe then he went to Zechariah. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn." There's four or five of the hundreds that Jesus could have chosen, but he walks them through the entirety of the revelation of his life. He shows them how it gives witness to who he was, why he had come, why it was necessary. Jesus wants them to see that if only they will believe these scriptures about him, they could understand. They would have known who he was because all of scripture tells the story of Jesus. All of it points to Jesus. And yet, our couple on the road to Emmaus still do not. They do not recognize Jesus. However, and this is the part I love so much about this passage, despite their disillusionment, despite their confusion, they do what they have been shaped to do. They spent years following Jesus. Remember, his three years in ministry. They followed, they obeyed, they learned, they walked with him. And so they do what they have been shaped to do. They practice the gospel. One commentary I read this week put it this way. Although the couple may still have failed to recognize the presence of Jesus in their midst, their insistence for Jesus to stay with them indicates how they still continued to live out the grace of God's kingdom in such hospitable ways because their lives had been shaped by that grace. And here's where I want to return to my father-in-law, to Kevin, because here's the reason that Kevin finds something different in this passage every single time he goes to it. Because participation in the gospel of Jesus shapes us to be able to see Jesus. Participation in the gospel of Jesus shapes us to be able to see Jesus. Kevin is an active participant in the gospel of Jesus and in the kingdom of God. He is regularly seeking after Jesus. If you look back at our passage, you will see that it isn't until this couple participates in the receiving of bread That they recognize Jesus they were not merely spectators in this event they were participants and only then were their eyes opened their kingdom minded ways had already been shaped by their time with Jesus and this shaping sets the stage for this to occur they share a conversation with a stranger who seems to know nothing about Jesus that is the gospel my friends They invite that stranger into their home. That is the gospel. They share a meal with a stranger. Community and conversation. That is the gospel. They participate in the gospel and suddenly they see it. The living gospel is revealed right in front of them. Were Kevin not an active participant in seeking the risen Jesus? In the kingdom of God, I'm fairly certain he would not have seen all of the things in this passage that he had over the years. Or any other passage, for that matter. Were the Christian faith simply an objective set of truths to be understood, then this sort of walking with Jesus would be unnecessary. Because this couple, they've got the whole set of truths, right? Right? Jesus has walked them through the entire revelation from beginning to end of his life and who he is and why he came and what all of that means, and yet they still don't get it because it's just an objective set of truths for them. They needed to participate in the gospel in order to get it. It is why discipleship is so essential to our Christian faith. It's why it matters that you're here today. It's why it matters that you're in a small group. It's why it matters that you're meeting with a prayer partner or someone to help you stay accountable. It's why it matters that you spend time in the Word during the week and not just here on Sunday mornings. All throughout Scripture, we see the people of God are implored to seek after God. Deuteronomy 4 but if from there you will seek the Lord your God you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart first chronicles 22 now set your heart and soul to seek the Lord your God first chronicles 28 if you seek him he will be found by you jeremiah 29:13 you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart matthew 7 Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. We are implored to be disciples participating in the gospel of God by seeking after him. And so I have some questions for us today as we prepare to come to the table to meet with Jesus. Are we seeking Am I seeking? Are you seeking after the gospel and the kingdom of God? Are you participating in the gospel of Jesus? And what is he revealing to you? What is it he's revealing to you that you need to act on? Because you see, these two disciples didn't just sit on this revelation. They didn't just sit and allow God to be revealed to them at their table and then do nothing with it. In another translation, it tells us within the hour, they were returning to Jerusalem. Despite the fact that they had just walked seven miles back home, they're going to now turn around and walk seven miles back. Despite the fact that we know it's night because they told us that, they invited Jesus in because it was evening and late. Despite the risk that they may not be believed, despite the risk that something may happen to them along the way, they act. On this revelation that they have been given. So are we seeking? Are we acting? And more than seeking, do we know that we have been set free to do so, to seek and to act? You have the ability. You have been set free. You can go to scripture and seek Jesus. You don't need a pastor to do it for you. You can seek God on your own. We can seek him here together. You can seek him in a small group. You are free to do that, to seek, to act. You have been rescued. Our couple on the road to Emmaus says we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem this word redeem in there literally means free or rescue we had hoped that he would free us and yet they have no idea that he has already done so they're lamenting that they'd hoped he would free them and he already has my friends Jesus has freed us and I wonder if maybe it was their expectations that got in the way They expected for this freedom to look a certain way. Perhaps our expectations for what we think Jesus should do are getting in the way of what Jesus is already doing or what he has already done. Their expectations had been upended and they were unable to see the risen Jesus. And I wonder if perhaps our participation in the traditions of our faith, in the reciting of our creeds, in the breaking of bread, in worship, in prayer, in giving, in these things we do to participate in the gospel, can bring us to a place where we can let go of our own expectations and receive revelation instead. Our worship team is going to come back for us now, and we are going to come to the table. But perhaps we can come to the table today and we can say, Jesus, I don't understand. I don't understand you. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why this path that I'm going on is going this direction. And I'm gonna choose to seek after you anyway. Perhaps we can come and we can say, I don't know why X, Y, or Z is happening. And I know that you, Jesus, are here to walk with me. We can come and we can say my future looks uncertain i don't know what the next days and weeks and months and years might bring and jesus i know you have already made a way for me perhaps we can come like that and so this morning i'm going to ask you to stand and i'm going to ask our servers to come you can stand with me And in these next few moments, here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to spend a few minutes talking to Jesus. I want you to be like our disciples on the road to Emmaus who tell Jesus all that has happened, all the things that have happened in your life, all of the I had hoped but this, that or the other thing. All of the stuff that maybe you think he doesn't see or doesn't know. Take a minute. Talk to Jesus. now like jesus did for them we're going to speak together aloud those things that we know and believe by reciting the apostles creed as a community together i believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit Born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And the Holy Spirit the church universal the communion of Saints the forgiveness of sins and the life of the body and the life everlasting amen